Square Ball Podcast. Hello there and welcome to the show. It's brought to you by Levi Solicitors, who will do 10% off your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Dan Michael and Moscow with you on the on the weekly show. If you want to support us, by the way, and we're really grateful to everybody who does, TSB Plus is the full digital package that we offer. It works out to like five a month. You get all the podcasts ad-free, uh, access to every digital mag that we've done since, well, forever, since the baby Jesus was born. All that time, 2009. Yeah. 2009. Which is when the baby Jesus was born and he scored against Scum at Old Trafford. And we have uh, the exclusive subscriber-only podcast, The Extra Ball, priority access to the match ball after a game, and that includes the live stream, discounts on the merch, all the details at thesquareball.net forward slash plus. International week then, not a lot happening for the next uh, seven days, apart from, should we slate Arsenal? Nothing else to do, have we? No. So, yeah, I They're good now, so. though, aren't they? They're all winning the league and stuff. Nah, they've just not played anyone good for a bit, have they? Tottenham. Yeah, well, I was going to say, the reason we're laying into Arsenal is because they've only given us 5,200 tickets for the cup game in October. The Carabao Cup game. Yes. The cup. Not the real one. It's the, the oldish... The oldish... The oldish competition in the world. <laughs> As uh, Sean Connery <laughs> always liked to call it, this is just the fucking Sean Harvey nightmare, isn't it? It's the Rumbelows Cup. I think it, we're going to talk about the Sean Harvey nightmare. Surely that is the Papa John's, if it's anything. It's all just a fever dream of his, isn't it? Yeah, so... um what do you make of that? Persistent standing on previous occasions. Do you know what I think? I think what's going to happen is we're going to have 5,200 people stood up rather than 9,000. I mean, all away fans always stand, don't they? Did Watford? I wasn't paying attention. Were there any? Uh, I think so. There was a bit of a chant for Danny Rosen about the 70th minute, I think. They got very excited when they got a corner, didn't they, at one point they as well? They did. There was big cheers for that corner. I'd forgotten about that. I don't know if other away fans do stand to the extent. Certainly not. Like 10,000 of them. Do you this know what? This maybe what a surprise. Good clubs Arsenal. stand. Proper teams stand. If mm-hmm. you don't stand, then as far as to say, you support a shit team. It's strange to kind of pick up on it now when there's rail seating going to be coming into the back of the cop at some point during this season. And that seems to be taking hold across the, the Premier League, the coming rounds, the idea that... And even the reason we're getting the rail seating is just to kind of legitimise the standing that everybody is doing. Anyway, there may be an element where it'll result in other people who aren't in the rail seating areas getting told to sit down. That's one of the concerns is that if you make it a rule in some places, it will be disallowed in others. But then from the way the people seem to be driving it and people at Leeds seem to be driving it, that they'll just put rail in there anyway. So there doesn't seem to be a strong movement at the moment to get football fans to sit down to the extent that I remember when we had it in the Premier League last time <laughs> when it used to be an absolute sport on yep. the cup. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. They would, they would start at the bottom of the upper tier and they'd go and go, sit down please, sit down please, the arms, sit down it? please. The arms. And they'd get up to the back and eventually everyone would kind of reluctantly go, okay. But then something with like the merest little glimmer of excitement on the pitch and everybody behind the stewards back would stand up again and then you'd have to stand because I can't see because they're standing up. And that was how it would go. Oh, that- you'd occasionally get a stand up if you <laughs> ain't. Right, you. Everyone's up, and then the stewards are just like, oh. Uh, and look, I don't, I don't blend the stewards either because they oh, were, oh. they were being, they were being told they had to do it, and it's, it's not a job that I don't think they, well, maybe one or two of them relished it, but I don't, I think the majority mm. were, were very much you. Could, they would just walk them down the stairs, going, just please, yeah. please. Do you remember uh, <laughs> Peter Ridsdale's letter about the persistent standing in the cop where he said it had to stop? 
because of the rake of the seating in the East and Upper that people may topple over and everyone at the back of the cop was like, what has that got to do with us? Uh, stop people from standing in the East Upper. <laughs> that makes sense. But applying that to the rest of the stadium was just a nonsense. But for all that, you know, you are not supposed to stand and to the extent that Arsenal are halving their uh, ticket income because I don't think any Arsenal fans will be going. So the only tickets for sale are the Leeds fans will because of the persistent standing, I don't think the, there doesn't seem to be the same pressure on fans standing as there was. There's more of an idea that it should be accommodated and it's it's not a, a danger if done safely. They're just being annoying. I, I do wonder where this has come from, though. Has it come mm. from like the uh, the safety group that sort of police these things, for want of a better phrase, because that's not necessarily just the police? Or has it come from the club or, or where? Because you are under competition rules entitled to... 10% of the ground capacity, which, according to my maths, is 6,000 tickets. So they've, sh- they've sold us short according to the rules, anyway. And I think they have given us more in the past, haven't they? We have taken 8,000 there before for the FA Cup game, haven't we? And we would, we would sell that out again, you would imagine. And that seems, so. that'll be the one that they're annoyed about, because that's the yeah. last time we had a crowd there. What's the big deal? Yeah. As, as well, if you've been there, there's so much room. The seats aren't steep. You can't. It's, they're all padded anyway. You couldn't hurt yourself if you tried. It's like a crash in that stadium. <laughs> the whole thing like a, is like a soft play area. It is the whole thing's so spacious and, and comfortable. You're never gonna. You're never gonna hurt yourself there. It's not like a, when we were in League One and you'd occasionally get a goal and you'd fly forward eight rows because the, there was nothing in there. It was just like bench seating or something in there. I and mean, if you try to go forward, if you try to go forward eight rows in this, you'd probably break the uh, world long jump record, wouldn't you? It's that big. It's the woman celebrating. Was it uh, Warsaw when Jermaine Beckford scored? She stood on the uh, advertising hoarding and then face planted. It's uh, did the hoarding fall over or did she just fall straight off it? That was always one of the vivid memories of the League One years. Adventure. Mm. Mm. Um, it, the, the subtext here is that Arsenal don't want us to have fun, isn't it? They they're, just don't they're, want. They're us boring there. bastards. They, yeah. No one's allowed fun in there. That's the rule. I think it, it will probably be considerably calmer than the actual home support, especially if we win. They're, they're a funny club, aren't they? They've, they've, they've found themselves in a really funny spot now. This this sort of weird mix of, of being traditionally one of the massive superpowers in English football, yet having fallen off their perch somewhat, flirted with the European Super League when they've got absolutely no right to on a footballing basis. And this big long tail hangover from Wenger, it's just weird, isn't well, it? Part of their thing was always that they needed to get into a new stadium if they wanted to compete. And they were brilliant until they got into the new stadium. And then having a new stadium has meant they can't compete because they're trying to pay off all the debt from the new stadium. And now it's too late. <laughs> and now they're just angry they're about knackered. everything. But, then, but even then, like, Edu's the, the director of football there, isn't he now? And he's responsible for the recruitment this summer and they outspent anybody else in the division. And they're still not happy with it. Like, paying 50 million for Ben White does seem like folly. Ben White, great, would have loved him at Leeds. Even at 30 million, would have loved Ben White at Leeds. But I don't know. It just strikes me as a bizarre move, that. I can't remember who was saying it, it might have been a, a fan, but they, they made a valid point where is, is Ben White £50 million better than Rob Holding in the Arsenal defence? And probably not. We were talking about that when we were dealing with value of players. I think I'm sure we are talking about it last season. It's kind of difficult to say, you know, is Defender X really a £50 million improvement on Defender Y? Is like, we've managed to get by without Ben White by signing Robin Cock Diego Llorente and Pascal Strikers come through and we're still £20 million in credit. Ben White is absolutely brilliant, but £50 million, are you really getting £50 million worth of and Creswell as well? Football? Yeah, so it just keeps rolling on without him. 
and we'll buy him for 10 million when they're desperate to get rid of him when he's got a Ozil situation. That's the other thing is that they've just overpaid for a lot of mediocrity and they're in a similar situation to like Man United in that they've got a coach there who's probably not up to the task of kicking him onto the next level. But then who else do you put in? It's that debate around Solskjaer, isn't it, over there? That, all right, fine, get rid of him because he's not going to take him onto where they want to be. They might win, I don't know, a, a cup somewhere or whatever, but you don't get that sense, do you? I mean, like they're, they're already getting restless. Northwest um, Counties <laughs> Reserve League. Yeah, and then why not in that situation have another 5,000 Leeds fans? Because if they give that part of the allocation to Arsenal fans, like if I was running Arsenal, the last thing I would want in the Emirates is more Arsenal fans as few as possible because they're just constantly on the back. So, you know, 60,000 tickets to Leeds and you probably have a much easier afternoon. All right, the fans might stand up a bit, but they're not going to be, you know, accusing your manager of being a terrorist. So that's that's my solution. Dear, right, dear Mr. Arsenal, I assume it's Bertie Me. Is he still in charge? Yes, I believe so. Dear yeah, yeah. Bertie Me. Let's move on to the, uh, the Papa John's that you mentioned there. We won a, ga- a game in it and we might qualify for the next round it's exciting isn't it a trip to Wembley and the Papa John's looming I mean we might not qualify either but we did beat Oldham which was nice I didn't realise quite how far Oldham have fallen they're right at the bottom of the football league they've been they? totally Harry Kewell haven't they yeah. exactly what I was going to say it's the Harold Kewell effect <laughs> but yes they are um, 91st in the league at the moment which is not not great from because I remember Oldham being you know a Premier League team with, a, with the worst pitch the with the worst pitch in the world they're, they're having their own little problems. They've gone a bit sort of League 2 Arsenal about it all, haven't they? They're upset now because their new owners don't seem to be particularly likeable for their yeah, fans. It's certainly not um, trying to pay off the debt on a new stadium, though. That is that is true. And there's certainly not 60,000 of them there. But no, nice to see us win. A number of star performers. And I've just realised that even though the league is like under 23s and this is under 21s, most of our under 23s can play because they're under 21. <laughs> That's how ages work, yep. Yep. He's, he's 21 until he's 22 and all that. But yeah, I mean, we beat them without even using our best under-23s as well. Gellhart, Cresswell and Greenwood all, all sat this one out. So we just had to watch Bate running the show in the middle. Did we ever get to the bottom of the question that we posed? Was, this was off air after that win of whether we're allowed to have a home game at any point in this trophy if we do qualify. I mean, we're going into the unknown, aren't we? Because we've not qualified in the couple of years we've been here. But I think when you get beyond this first round... There's is a it chance an, is it an open draw. It becomes a draw. I think it's regionalised still to a point, but then I think you can you can technically get a home game. Yeah. Or is there a neutral fixture in Vietnam that Sean Harvey <laughs> built into the contracts or something? Quite possibly. I mean, let's um, let's worry about it when we when we qualify. We've only got to beat Salford City, aren't we? So we're they're not even a real on. team, are they? No. So I think we'll be fine against them. And I think um, the only failure against Tranmere was that we had the very 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 young team out where. Um, Archie Gray was playing and he came on for the under-23s because we're in that situation where Joffey and Greene and Kreze and, uh are up with the first team and uh, Summery, uh, Jimmy, he was um, sick. Nice so one. Archie Gray played for the under-23s, losing at Leicester, came on as a sub. And we had um, Keenan Carroll came on in that game as well. So it was all the, the very young ones, but that's why they, we lost 4-0 at Tranmere. It was a decent performance but they had 39 year olds up against <laughs> children it's, yeah it's bully, I, bullying them i did the i worked this out with so archie gray was born two months before the 2006 playoff final against watford <laughs> in which ben foster who was watford's goalkeeper on saturday played for watford that is insane isn't yeah it? it's, that's a real mixed up word if you'd go on our uh, blog 
David Guile wrote a very good article about the um, the regens that we're currently um, experiencing and how uh, I think Ian Wright's grandson is on the verge of breaking through somewhere. Which, what? Yeah, it's um. Well, oh, yeah, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, in terms of scientifically, biologically, that's totally possible, isn't it? I just realised. <laughs> I think yeah. Ian Wright's just, he's just a youthful man. He's Ian Wright though, as well, isn't he? Because he he sort of carries the same enthusiasm he did when he was playing into punditry, which makes me think Ian Wright is himself about 35, mm. which is clearly not true. He's only just retired, hasn't he? Yeah, pretty pretty yeah. much. <laughs> Whereas, I don't know, Alan Shearer or Roy Keane, someone miserable like that, it would seem to make more sense if they had a grandchild. But Ian Wright's too... He'd be a good... I bet he'd be a good, um, a fun granddad, would Ian Wright. Just on the kids, actually. Uh, nice to see uh, Cresswell getting the call up for the 21s. Gelhart got bumped up from the 20s as well, which is good. 21s, presumably. Better, older than the 20s. That's how it, yep, correct. Uh, I'm really I mean, picking this. You, this you up. can, but equally, you can play in the under 21s, even if you're under if you're under 21. So, if I was 19, mm-hmm. let's say I could play in the under 19s, the under 20s, and the under 21s, and the senior side all at the same time. Not the, not at the same time, but you could play for all of those. It, it's actually, I mean, well, I am joking here about this. There are actually bizarre circumstances when you can still play for the age group underneath your actual age can't you because of birth dates and all that kind of wild registration level stuff yeah there's something for, about qualifying for tournaments that as long as you were under 21 at the start of a tournament yeah. qualification you could still play right to the end of it or something so you ended up with like 23 year olds playing in the under 21s right. which seemed weird but all of our children are properly young so mm. that's good and we also have people in England under 20s as well so drama Greenwood yeah watch all of those that's what I say you can actually go to um, watch them playing at they play Italy in, in Chesterfield on Thursday, so that's not too far, is it? If, mm. people, if anyone fancies a trip. To Chesterfield's the, closer than Italy. Go see the Crooked Spire mm-hmm. and all that, and some other things that are in Chesterfield. I don't know what. Mm. Have they got an honest spire? It's just the crooked one. Just the, just the crooked one. Yeah. I've been confusing myself with the Papa John's tournament format while you were discussing that. It's awkward because on Wikipedia it's written in the past tense as if it's already happened. I don't know if whoever did the page came from the future but the knockout stage it says that round two and three of the competition were drawn on a regionalized basis in round two the group winners were seeded and the group runners up were unseeded in the draw in round two the teams who played in the same group as each other in the group stage were kept apart from each other and academy teams were kept apart from round two to the semi-finals were they yes so we can't play another under 21s team until the semi-finals. And we also can't play somebody who was in our group. Yep. But if we win the group, we'll be seeded. I imagine I can round I can imagine right now Sean Harvey sat there in a conference room in a in a far eastern hotel pitching this to the uh, to the execs of Carabao saying, oh, it's gonna be brilliant, lads. The thing is, Sean Harvey isn't clever enough to understand it. This is Papa John's as well, by the way, not Carabao. Just to get mm. those two confused. Oh yeah, I was confusing my pizza with my energy drinks. I don't know whether he probably had the Papa John's lads over to the I'm far east. I'm starving all the time and I never sleep. <laughs> there we go. Hey, look, you're looking at last year's. I think maybe we can't get a home game because no one else had one. Okay. When you look at the when you look at the teams that did progress, they all seem to have played away from home. And then like, Sunderland won. Like Leicester, Wolves, Man City, Man United. Call, all, all call me old-fashioned here. This all just seems a little bit convoluted and silly. Well, then, bearing in mind as well, didn't Salford City, because of the coronavirus... They won it, and then two days later, Sunderland won it. Yes. Yeah. Right. Feels like a very very short period to be holding the trophy. You'd think you'd maybe just give up. Mm, Okay. 
Anywho, let's, let's move on. The senior call-ups, then never mind the um, the unders call-ups. We uh, have a lot of full internationals now, which is a nice thing, except Patrick Bamford, whose injury means he misses out and Ollie Watkins goes back in. And then Tammy Abraham's been called up as well, just for an extra striker, just another player in the way to depress old Pat. <laughs> oh, bless him. Uh, Rafinha, though, that's the high point. He's been called up properly for Brazil this time. He's actually made it there. Looked very happy to be there. Yeah, he got there quite quickly, didn't he? Hope he can get back as fast. Yeah, I mean, if he if he does play all of these games, we're cutting it quite fine, aren't we, for him getting back because of the, the timings. I don't know if there's some arrangement that he won't play the last game. There I mean, Brazil be. don't need him. They've already qualified. I think they need to win like one more game out of the remaining 10 or something to qualify for this. So just just let him let him off. Play, I, play, I, him I against, want... play him against Venezuela and Colombia. Let him fly on. I'm really pleased with him though because I think it is a it is a huge thing. Is the Brazilian national side over there? It's a like they they're also like all desperate to win the Olympics and stuff. And in a way that most countries are a bit like, well, don't really bother, don't really bothered. Like it's a it's a big deal for him. So I um, I hope he does well. And he's every right to be there. It's great. Onto the women's team who lost one nil at Bradford in the uh, in the local derby. Uh, we recorded with Olivia Smart over on the extra ball just ahead of that, and she was looking forward to that game. Shame it didn't quite pan out as we would have wished, but let's ignore the bad thing and look only at the good thing because they beat uh, a fictional football team. I mean, that's the only thing that's taken the gloss off this, isn't it? Like, Leeds United women, we've heard of you, Leeds United. What's this nonsense? FC United of Manchester women, or is it FC United women of Manchester? FC Women United of Manchester? Losers, that's they, what I call them. They never, Bunch of losers. They never thought that club name through. Actually, fair play to the fans who actually turned their backs properly on the hellhole of a club that they previously supported and decided to do their own thing. That's fine. I know a bloke who did that. It actually said he fell out with the Glazers massively and went off to, to get involved with these lot, season ticket holder and stuff. Green and gold until we're sold or spend a few hundred million on players, wasn't it? No, they, what, they, they're, 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 they're not happy with that though, are they? Sancho, mate. Rubbish, isn't he? He's rubbish. 80 million. But the FC United bunch are not likely to go. They're not going to be bought over by a, a Ronaldo, are they? So that's good. But giving it such an unwieldy, stupid name as well, FC United, it does. It really plays into that only one United business of you know who do you mean by United? Oh, I mean United. You know United one who? So I I can only um, take them so far. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, and being beaten 5-0 is yeah. absolutely fine. By LU, me. LUFC women twatted them and Laura Bartrop, another hat-trick in, uh, in sparkling form. Bart, so, Bartrop. Ba- sorry, did I say Bartrop? Yeah. Sorry, Bartrop, yeah. Anyway. Like the uh, Vince Bartram. Il- Ilkley Moor without your hat on. Correct. Um, top of the league. I was so caught up on that. And promotion is likely to happen if they continue on this path. Yeah, there's some teams with um, games in hand, but they won't be as good as Leeds because they're not Leeds. Mm, they will win. I think that's how it works in football. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and finally, just returning to the, the men's team and injury roundups. Rebellious pubis. Old cocky's rebe- rebellious pubis. Mm. No, no updates on that. Well, that was the update. Before it was just a... The update is no update. No, the, the, the rebellious update is it's rebellious. Right. It was injured before. Now we know that the injury is rebellious. So that's news. I'm looking forward <laughs> to finding out what it does next. As we mentioned there, Paddy, Paddy is yeah, rampant. It's maverick. <laughs> Bamford is out uh, from the international break because of his injury. Uh, ailing. His ankle, isn't it? Yeah, Ailing has had his, uh, his clean-up job surgery, as Phil described it. I'm sure we'll get more on that. With his dirty knees. On Thursday. <laughs> Thursday. Yeah, he's got filthy knees. Yeah. That's what it is. Give him, give him a wash, Luke. Who else is out then? We've got, oh, obviously, Forshaw. 
Yeah. Don't say obviously for sure. Come on. Well, it's persistently injured, isn't it? nice. Persistently or perpetually. Well, You've got to you, make, make your own mind up. Well, you said, I, met, I was thinking of that. I knew it began with P and I just, it slipped my mind. But yeah, perpetually. The uh, commentary duties. I've only seen the, they did a commentary cam um, on LUTV after the game and them. For sure, wasn't saying much on that. I quite enjoyed, though, seeing Tony DiRigo's face when Leeds attack. He kind of clenches his teeth and you can see he's very... Uh, he's living it, is Into he? it, whereas, yeah, um, yeah For sure, more had the kind of uh, that sympathetic disappointment that we all feel whenever Leeds were feeling a chance. He's like, oh, God, just score. Which is rich coming from old uh, Adam never scores For sure. Even when he was fit, it was used to be a thing. Do you remember back in the distant... 1970s when we used to wish Adam Forshaw would shoot and score. Mm. So we, he won't solve our goal scoring crisis if he came in, but um, it would be nice to have see. We got, I didn't realise we were having a goal scoring crisis, have we? Well, we only scored one against Watford and they were terrible. So Forshaw prob- probably would not have come in and scored seven, but I would have liked to see him on the pitch instead of in the commentary box because that's where he belongs and he's worked hard enough to get back there. So Speaking of Dorigo, did you see him on... He did the, the sort of post-game bit on LUTV with Bryn and the camera zoomed in on him to while Tony was doing his chat and he clearly expected him to cut to a wider shot. <laughs> so he finished talking and then just turned to look at the camera while Bryn was speaking, but he was just looking really... Did he make love to the camera? Right off for a minute. Just looking. And then it moved out and it was it was just it's just an uncomfortable four <laughs> or five seconds as Tony just... He just looks at you without saying anything and you kind of go... <laughs> Being looked at so, silently is a very... It's, it's, yeah, it's freaky, isn't it, that? Oh, dear. Thinking about that. Well, does that wrap up the uh, the injury crisis and all the, the Jackie with Jackie's in, uh, important pain, obliques, and and Somerville was puking, coughing, yeah, something on it. He was ill. Yeah. He'll be fine, probably. Well, there you go. <laughs> International week roundup. It's been <laughs> a quiet the, one. Yeah, the the medical insight that we're able to <laughs> able to give. All anybody cares about is um, fantasy football league teams, isn't it? That's why only reason anybody wants to know about the injuries. If you ever look on the the chat box while. Bielsa is doing his press conference. It's a lot of people coming and going. Is Rafinha going to play? Is Bamford going to play? And also somebody accusing him of being a Freemason. Oh, last week, yeah. Who? So Bielsa and the the entire Leeds United team. Somebody had decided, <laughs> taking it upon themselves that they, that was going to be their their fun. You know the, the um, you know the FPL like the Fantasy Premier League. But we've got a code for it, by the way, in our Twitter account um, profile. If you want to, I mean, it's too late to join up now. I think, isn't it? Because the season's obviously started. But keep an eye out for it. Go in and just if have a laugh. You could maybe win on a weekly average. But um, I, I don't do it. Have you ever done it? Do you do, or do you do it? Because to me, I, and see if you agree, it feels like admin. And yeah. It's too much. I, I can't. I don't. I did it at the start of last season. I think I did transfers in week one and then I missed week two. And by missing one week, people who are taking it seriously are already mm. miles ahead of you. And I just sort of thought, ah, I don't know. And there's all there's all different things like wild cards. And there's just, I, I preferred it when you had to get it out of a newspaper and make transfers like once a season it was less complicated even if you did get someone injured and then you were like okay well i can't win now because my both of my strikers are injured but it seemed more simple if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery think again juvederm volux xc is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime even better this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment no maintenance required improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with juvederm volux xc 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Uh, no uh, match preview this week with it being International Week, so let's just do the Heroes and Villains part of it and start with the Ken Bates Villain of the Week Awards nominations, please, uh, from the feedback that we received from our TSB Plus subscribers, uh, VAR, the obvious candidates. Yeah, Moscow's West End friend Ralph asking simply, what, what is the point of it? Sick of it not being used for some teams, then used to aid others. Scum in brackets, mm. which I think I think that's the annoyance with Jan, Dan James. As you think, these had been given a few weeks ago yeah. for Scum. They'd have really looked at this and they'd have they'd have taken the time on it. But as it is, yeah, overlooked. Heather said, as our fans put it, where the flipping heck is VAR? That was a good song. It was. Yeah, and, and I'm a bit uncomfortable singing about VAR though because yeah. it's one of those things that I, I don't. I kind of wish it wasn't there. But then when you know it is there and you know it's not being used when it probably should be, we're legitimising it, aren't we, by singing about it? Yeah, but it becomes like a, a daft sort of curse of modern football that you you have to live with it being there while not wanting it to be i quite liked this song it was better than was it everton where at the end of the game we would look like we were going to have a penalty um and the referee just blew his whistle so the the end of our first match back at elland road the first one with a a full crowd ended with everyone's chanting v-a-r v-a-r which was a bit more supportive of var when that that kind of chant is you know like Go the Bears, go the Bears. Whereas but it's USA, the, uh, isn't yeah. it? That's the thing. Um, whereas where the fuck is VAR? I think it's perhaps getting it back into the uh, the the Leeds lane. Yeah, I know what you mean. Actually, yeah, VAR is fucking shit. Comes yes. next. It's the obvious. It's that's the obvious progression for it, isn't it? And I'm I'm all for that one. The thing is with VAR, it it's not fixed anything, has it? It's just made the problem different. Like we still don't know what's supposed to be happening yeah. because it's just it's hit and hope isn't it on any given week like, we need to but, actually replace the referees with robots yeah we've gone halfway we've given the human referees televisions to look at they don't know how to use them so we just have to get rid of them all and replace them with actual computers depends who they use like for the algorithm though isn't it to build them like the mm. referee when they're, when they're building it I mean we are speaking the morning after the Facebook WhatsApp Instagram crash where it turned out that nobody could get back into the buildings to reset these servers. So they had to break down loads of doors to... Angle grinders. Apparently angle grinders might have been a myth. Right. Um, I think you just called them ankle grinders then as well, which I enjoyed. They're now denying that anybody's ankles were ground, but they, yeah, they had to rely on physical means of getting into these uh, virtual worlds. So let's not give it to Zuckerberg, but... Um, did, people, you said- did people climb inside computers to fix this? We've seen Tron, haven't you? Yeah. That's basically what happened. I, I, thought, I thought you were angling towards setting about referees with angle grinders. That could happen. I mean, yeah, maybe just... Well, that's um, one of my favourite stories about uh, South American football corruption was the tale, and I don't know the details of it. I just remember the story of a referee before a game. Um, somebody walked onto the pitch with two sacks full of screaming kittens and just mm. dropped them at his feet and walked away. And the the message was quite clear about how they the home team wanted him to referee that match so maybe it's that sort of thing if you just stand at the side of the pitch with some power tools it would certainly convey a very clear message to, for my, to my mind if, 
Keith Stroud is striding out onto the pitch and you're at the side with a pneumatic drill, perhaps with a, a toy pig on the end, whirring it around. Oh, See what he makes of that. See how it's spinning around. He'll be, he'll be you, fraught, won't he? Are you trying to arouse him or scare him? Whatever works. Different tactics for different referees. Um, Watford as a concept was mentioned uh, over on Propaganda as, mm. a, as a feedback point. Made it into the villain nominations here as well. Elton John got lumped in with it. It's for keeping them going. Um, I mean, I don't have a problem with them keeping going as a team. And if Elton John wants to enjoy... Back in the charts, by the way. Watching Watford play with what? Uh, sampled a bit of Sacrifice. and Is it Rocket Man? I think the other bit. And Dua Lipa does a little wobbling vocal and it's just borrowing old songs and remixing them a bit. Is it up there with his um, coronavirus cover of well, of himself when he did... Uh, I'm Dill Dandin. He's got his... Has he still got a fat tongue, my kid, in, in that video? If you've not seen it, do look it up. I can't It was some mm. early COVID fundraiser. Elton John singing, Abdel Bandon. Introduced by uh, David and Victoria Beckham as well, just really. Was it? Completely. Yeah, they, they on the live stream, they say, and oh, it's great that Elton John's going to come and do this. And then they don't bring them back on to quantify how great it was. But, fair, you know, keeping Watford going and the whole, he's been very real about supporting Watford FC, hasn't he? So it's been. Um, that's been fine, just as um, as it comes down to what was even the point. And um, Adrian does ask, how could they? I mean, they're still higher than us in the league. Mm. It's because they got more points before us, but it yeah, won't but, it won't stay that way. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a very it's the absolute definition of a false position. I thought that about Brighton when they were a, a win away from going top, but Watford are possibly an even more clear example of a club that just should not be anywhere near the top of the league. When it comes to Watford, Danny Rose got a mention by Lorne for being a rugby league player masquerading as a footballer. To be fair, your average rugby league player these days is not some lard arse, is it? It's, mm. um, it's what are you saying about Danny Rose? Nothing. I'm, okay. saying, I'm, just saying it's, I'm just saying your rugby league player is not a lard arse these days. He's I've an, not actually, an, watch, I've not actually watched it, but apparently you feel quite sorry for Danny Rose if you watch the Spurs documentary because Mourinho is just a dick to him. So maybe we should be nice to him. There's a bit, there's a, is there not a clip where he said any, any bids from Milan? And they're like, yeah. no, Danny. There are no bids from Milan. You're off to Watford instead. Uh, but yeah, anyway, you know, it's not our job to be nice to people, is it? So he's got some pelters here. But I tell you, let's um, let's get into Kit while we're um, we're talking about riling people. Kit nominates Tyler Roberts. He's just shit. He's blunting development of real potential in Gelhart and Greenwood. Moscow. Off you go. Mind you, we haven't got that long, have we, so? Well, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> Okie doke. There we go, moving on. <laughs> while we're slagging off our own, Pete's uh, having to go at people who are slagging off Cooper, so he's defending him. Yeah. He makes mistakes, but more often than not, he's making crunching tackles and saving the day. The thing is, he he was good at the weekend. He was good. He was good against West Ham as well. He just has got the Cooperish things about he's got, him. He's got Cooperisms in him, he hasn't has. he? Yeah. And you take that as a whole, don't you? You can't have... It's the rough with the smooth, You can't have it? just the good Liam Cooper. For better or for worse, richer or poorer. Exactly. If you, you don't like him at his worst, you don't deserve him at his best. And I think that. Diego Llorente gets... I know, it's a lazy thing to say, the old free pass thing. I celebrate love adore and enjoy Urente's eccentricities. Two minutes in, he's doing an overhead kick. Amazing. And people like that. If Liam Cooper tried doing an overhead kick after two minutes, I think it would be uh, criticised. And even um, that pass in the first half when uh, Furpo did a brilliant tackle on their player and gave it to Urente and he just gave it straight to their striker. Cooper does that and it doesn't go down well. Urente does that. <laughs> Funny old Diego. So there's there's always that kind of thing, and we'll see um, 
as the season goes by, we might have to keep a, like a running tally of who gives away more penalties for shirt pulling at corners. Because mm. Diego does get quite handsy, mm. I have noticed um, previously, but it's a little bit more under the radar with old Liam. So, uh, yeah, I think... They do get away enough. with it most weeks, though, don't they? That's the point. Is that Maybe one of them will get penalised for it once this season, maybe twice at a push, but even then... I it's... think that's the thing. It's something that you get away with until you don't. Yeah. And so the, the Cooper one on Dominic Calvert-Lewin in the Everton game was stupid, but I don't think for a moment that uh, Diego Llorente would not have done the same thing. They're mm. the kind of... Uh, brothers from different mothers those two I think on corners as well it's where it gets frustrating because you could slow any corner down and probably find someone somewhere pulling a shirt whether it's an attacker or a defender it's just you can do it a bit can't you and it's that how much is how much is too much to it, for it to actually be a point where VAR has to go, oh, no, come on now, you're taking the piss a bit with that one. I like, grab, it, grab him a bit, but not that much. I did notice, I'm sure it was a Watford game, unless I've skipped a week and it was West Ham, but there was um, that much going on for one of our corners that uh, Rodrigo, in particular, I think one of the other players, maybe Stuart Dallas, just went into the goal mouth and were like, well, if you're going to push us about, we're just going to go and stand in here. You can't touch us in here. And um, were trying to time their runs back into the six-yard box, which was quite an interesting thing. Standing off the pitch, you mean? Mm. Yeah. yeah, I think that was might have been Saturday. I did yeah, notice I, a lot I, of them gathering around the keeper and behind him. Yeah. Liam yeah. Cooper was definitely stood in the back of the net at one point, and I was yeah. wondering what he was. There we go. What his plan was? And Rodrigo went and joined him, and it was like, "This is all." Did he go in there to lot. say, "Liam, what are you doing?" <laughs> You can't, supposed to play you, can't, over here. you can't score from in there. <laughs> if, it's, if it hits you there, it's already in. Mm. There was a little bit of. Uh, negativity towards the south stand ball I mean, it's ball holder has been singled out here but it was ball holders it was multiple people in the south stand getting the ball and um lobbing it backwards which was it should be pointed out assisting the watford game plan of time wasting and show, uh, slowing down the game because i did laugh at the time but then i thought oh, actually this is daft isn't it i think bielsa was a bit pissed off with it as well so don't it, piss off bielsa it is daft i'm i'm very mild about this in some ways because people go to football for different reasons don't they and the people who complain about the ball holding are people who, the, the main thing is Leeds must win. So you can't do anything to disrupt the Leeds win. But you've got to recognise some people just go to football and don't particularly care about the result. They want to see the mates get pissed and have a nice afternoon. And when the ball lands at that person's feet in the stand, of course, it's just, hey, I've got the ball. Doesn't like... Oh, the- it, could be, it could be a mixture of the two things. You, ca- you do want to see Leeds win, but all that is also being factored into it. And sometimes one can influence the other. If you've had a lot of ale, you might decide well, to throw exactly. the ball backwards. Yeah. So it's, you kind of, you've got to remember that football is just like, it's a stupid hobby and people do it to have fun. And so what the, the absolute specifics of the game state are not necessarily going through everybody's mind when they've been drinking since seven in the morning and just, <laughs> you know, they're just there to have a, a fun afternoon and, there's almost, and I was thinking about Bielsa's anger about it as well, because there is a bit of a paradox there where he kind of questions the value of a of a win without fun, and the, the main thing is you want to give the supporters a victory, but also for them to enjoy themselves. They're they're, in, they're enjoying it. They're, they're having an absolute great time, but then they've got Bielsa raging at them to say they give the ball back. But there's always as I bring the tweet out, and it'll be on my recent tweets if anybody wants to go and have a look. They, uh, they, they won't. 1960, but 1965, the scratching said shed. The South Standards was holding onto the ball. Um, I think it's the first time we're ever on match of the day. And Jackie Charlton, the hold on for it's so long. Jackie Charlton runs from the cop end right up to the other <laughs> pitch, stands Piling in front of them, 
Yeah, the, he stands about this far away from the front row. He's pointing at the ball going, give us that bloody ball back. And then Les Cocker, Don Reeve's trainer, starts running around the pitch as well to join in, shouting at them. And eventually they get another ball and the referee comes over. He's like tapping Jack on the shoulder going like, we've got a ball, we can, we can carry on. Not having that, he's basically telling off 5,000 people himself. And we had a laugh as well because the kid who was supposed to return it in the end um, was going to throw it backwards. Did you, not, did you notice that guy at the very front of the south stand? He was right up against the um, the electronic boards and he, he motioned to throw it backwards and it just sort of trickled out of his hands, didn't it, and bobbled yeah. in front of him. And everybody had a good laugh and we all got on with the afternoon and had a jolly nice time. And the thing is, so the two sides, one, it's as old as time, so 1965, and I'm sure it will have been going on before that. Um, the other thing, if our team can't beat Watford because somebody held the ball in the south stand for 30 seconds then that's where I, I stray into the territory I don't like to go into. Where I was like, well, what do we pay them 50 grand a week for if that's enough to throw them up? So All good points, Moscow, but you've undermined it, haven't you, you see, because you've been nominated by Joe for your tweets. Not suggesting we would, game. We, would, we would piss it or something along those what lines. Was the, what, anyway. what time did you suggest that we were going to piss this game? I never Watford said were we were going to piss this game. And I didn't say Watford were awful until full time because I didn't want to jinx it. So I think it was it was five minutes before we scored. I said... Our players look loads better than their players and I think we'll win. And I I don't think that's a controversial thing to say and it turned out to be correct. Joe, Joe suggested you were inviting that Melier mistake. Is your fault? I mean... Are, well, you prepared Melier, to, are you prepared to take responsibility for that? No, because the responsibility for the Melier mistake lies with the brute that kicked him in the shoulder just before that happened. And I think if he'd not been kicked in the shoulder and he'd had, that, he'd had the spray on it, so I don't know if his shoulder at that point was still numb, and that's why he couldn't catch the ball. That's what happened. Nothing to do with, oh no, uh, Moscow has tweeted, I cannot catch a ball now. Mm. It's not we've, how it works. We've not mentioned just how much he did get away with that one, Melier, because all the thing about who was pulling who with Liam Cooper, and if Melier just catches it and holds on to it, then it's not it's not as much of an issue. But then if he's not been kicked in the arm. But that wasn't a foul. No, but it, it hurt. I think he like he was down for a long time, and the close-ups that I could observe on my petit. Imagine Bailey Peacock Farrell has made that mistake. Petit television. As it, I mean, James Bailey Peacock Farrell's not catching the ball in the first place, so is he? He looked in a lot of pain, and there was a lot of concern about whether he was going to be able to continue. We had Clarkson was warming up again for the second game in a row, and then um, the first thing that comes in there was a. I, when I watched the game back, I had the commentary from somewhere. Yeah. I can't remember where. And they were saying, they, they were criticising Melier for not making more of the injury and saying, oh, he should have uh, he should have tried to slow the game down there and make a bit more of that so that he wasn't straight into having to catch the ball from a corner. See, what they want him to actually do about it, going, like, was, should he have booted the ball into the south stand and said, can you hold on to that for a while so they can't take a corner while I let my shoulder recover? There's not a lot a goalkeeper can do in that situation if his shoulder's all hurt and somebody boots the ball into the box. He did his best. <laughs> And it was fine. And okay. it was not affected um, or influenced by me sending a tweet or uh, 10. The uh, the doubters have got mentioned by Steve, people who doubted that we'd stay up, including himself. So he's uh, self-loathing there from Steve. I think we've all, we've all had moments of weakness, haven't we, at the start of the season where we've maybe just had, even if just for a moment you've thought, oh, I don't, know, I don't well, know where this ends. Well, there was, there was somebody like in the, uh, I can't remember if it was YouTube comments or, or a, a tweet or something in response to one of us posting one of the videos saying, ah, oh, there'll be no talk about threadbare squad and, and lack of midfield today, will there? And I was thinking, well, no, because we've won and it hasn't cost us, but it has cost us, I think, at times 
in the early part of the season. And I still think we're light in midfield. Speaking of Costas, there's been a complaint about the new coffee place in the East Stand. That's good, isn't it? That's, that's seamless. I'd rather be in your shoes comparing La Bottega Milanese to Costa, especially when they used to have a miniature beef because uh, Costa opened up next door to Bottega and um, Boncourt in Leeds and uh, Bottega saw them off. Well, outlasted them. They tried to muscle. They took on. They took on big coffee and won. Well, big coffee tried to take on little coffee. Yeah, and was and went scuttling away again. Closed down while uh, Bottega is still there and still uh, going strong. And now in the East Stand, but not doing a coffee and cake deal. I mean, this, this Paul. is Paul. I think Paul must be a Fulham fan or something who's coming to uh, coming to Leeds games complaining about the I mean, lack of, yeah. of a coffee and cake deal. I, I don't come to Ellen Road for cake, do you? <laughs> Although maybe it's yeah, good cake. If you were offered maybe it's it. good cake. I've not tried it. Moscow yeah, if, knows about this. If you were offered some cake, I'd probably eat it. Yeah. So. I'm saying it's not crucial to my visit for, for the enjoyment of my visit. It might add to it, but it's not like baseline enjoyment requirements, I don't think, is cake. But I'm sure it's great cake. Let's get back to calling out real villains like Jamie Shackleton. Yeah. Gaz nominated him for bringing a premature end to Ailing's career and setting drama's route to the first team back another three years. Which is fair. Which <laughs> is fair. What's he doing? Uh, Mind you, maybe he progresses from here into midfield so he can end Stuart Dallas's career. While we're having a go at our own, uh, Andy wants to nominate Click. So it says every game he tries a clever back heel and every game it never comes off. Yeah, don't try anything. Don't, don't take any risks anymore. Andy says, no. Christ, honestly. What do you people want? Crossbar gets a nomination as well. Fair, yeah, fair. For di- denying Roberts' goal, which, to be to be honest, I'm glad Roberts didn't score that because it'd be something Moscow would always talk about. Yeah. Whereas as it is, he can shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony makes a very valid point about the international football break disrupting things. Yeah, fair point. And we've got no interest in it. Why England, are there so England many of them? The season's not even got going. It feels like this is about the eighth one we've had. It just spread them out a bit, at least. They've, they've crammed them all in because of COVID. They're trying to catch up with the international calendar, at least. Although Brazil are playing three times in this break, in Europe it's only two fixtures this time, so we don't have to get to England, have their thrilling matches, is it? I know the second game is Andorra again. It's, it's, the- it's Hungary and Andorra are the two games we, we've got, which are, I mean, Andorra, what a challenge. What's the point? Honestly. I mean, even Pat Bamford could score Pat... Oh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> An injured Pat Bamford? Oh, no, he couldn't. Um, is that everyone? Then anybody else you want to nominate or pick out from the list of nominations we've got? Well, you're skirting around Michael's nomination from Wisconsin Todd, which is... Um... But it involves the death of a raccoon. Uh, it's, it feels like a very, very niche complaint that's not necessarily one that's going to you know, be relatable for the vast majority of people who are listening. Well, but... Yeah, well, there's relatable, but there's also you know taking people into a, a world that they can't imagine. And uh, yeah, because of the extra ball quiz. Visual was, quiz uh, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was too visual. And uh, Todd tried listening to it on a car journey and claims that's why he struck a raccoon with his car. I and, think uh, I think that was a vengeance killing. <laughs> Am I, are you trying to put that death on my conscience now? Yep. Well, that's what he's saying. Would I, I have hit the unlucky animal anyway? Probably. It suicidally ran into the road like an idiot. Uh, but if I would have had that one extra second of alertness from not trying to wonder what was going on, on this uh, visual podcast quiz where they couldn't see the questions and answers but could hear us not describing them in great detail. Perhaps that critter would still be alive today. Where is Wisconsin? Is it... Because, like, in the South, they'll, they'll quite happily eat roadkill, won't they, in America? Sort of the South Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> Scraping up raccoons from the streets around the, the John, the John did, Charles Centre for Sport. I did nearly run over um, a, a squirrel on the M621 a while ago. It, ran, it went straight underneath my car and I thought I might have hit it, but I, I could see it. Did it go it, through it, the wheel? It carried on its way. Oh, it, gosh. It, it made it. So, although it's, they've put up a massive fence at the far side now, so I don't know where it went. But yeah. um, 
I hope it, I hope it has a happy life. It's the Midwest. It's uh, Wisconsin, bordered by Minnesota. There's it's the lakes around there, and all that sort of stuff. The Minnesota Twins are in the uh, adjacent mm. states as well. Our old um, thieves, song thieving thieves. Uh, lads, and uh, one less raccoon, thanks to Michael. Right, um, go on then. Who's your uh, monster? Your villain of the week? VAR seems like the uh, the popular topic. The rest of them seems to be a combination of our players and or us. <laughs> I don't feel like I want to nominate our players when they've delivered the first win of the week. Yeah, um, uh, for season. Sorry, and certainly uh, VAR is um, is the one. Yeah, fine. VAR gets it because it is bollocks, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, it's a very fine line between VAR and Jamie Shackleton. So. <laughs> And, and the or thing is, the, refs. the complaints are multiple as well. Let's let's not avoid that fact. Like sometimes it's picking out Dan James. Does it even work at Ellen Road? What's the point of it? It's and asked. the only thing that was got right—well, not the only thing—but the big right decision of the day, disallowing Watford's goal, wasn't a VAR decision. The referee took that himself. So didn't trust that, it. Didn't trust that it. Did just he prove that we give the control back to the the referees and uh, and just threaten them with power tools? We mentioned um, maybe throw a raccoon at some of the a dead raccoon at one of the refs. See how they deal with that. We mentioned Bailey Peacock Farrell in passing there in the um, in the villain of the week award. He's not on the sheet here for hero ship, but I do want to say another fine performance at the near post uh, from him. And they're starting to turn. You remember the Sheffield Wednesday fans? They're obviously at quite a low ebb now, which is funny. But they celebrated getting Bailey Peacock Farrell. And we're sort of defending him, well, going on the attack. Oh, because all the Leeds fans. Four clean sheets. Well, yeah, but all the Leeds fans who were sort of saying, oh, watch out for this one, it'll cost you. And then they were they were defending him, as you do, as you know, with the tribalism of football, you do. Uh, but now they are, the worm is starting to turn. Questions being asked about, will this geezer cost us how many more games? I've not seen him, what he's done this week. I saw the, obviously, yeah. the, the quite famous one where he... You've seen it, you've seen <laughs> it before. <laughs> yes. Different shirt. I saw the one where we, the, he got... He was snuck up on, wasn't yeah. he, the week before? That was funny. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the um, it was Oxford, wasn't it, who won with a ninety fourth, ninety fifth minute goal, which in itself is very funny. I don't think this it was the that wasn't the goal that cost them. The Bailey Peacock Farrell one wasn't the like the last minute goal. It was Oxford's first, and it was man breaks into area is shown wide on the right hand side. So he's maybe 12, 13 yards out, but maybe outside the the right hand post, and has just unleashed a shot towards the near post, and you know the rest, the danger area. Mm, yeah. It's, as um, Bailey and Kiko yeah. call it. Uh, anyway, back to the uh, Gitano Baradi Hero of the Week awards and the nominations we received. Police, Shaq and Lorente featuring very highly the pair of them, and rightly so. Yeah, I mean, some people are happy that he's ended the career of Luke Ailing. Less, less kind people. Ender, Adrian Lee, Johnny, Joe, Katie, everyone's saying he was good, which he was. Katie did say um, before the season started, we were asking where does he fit into this team and maybe now's the time for him to make an impression and absolute credit to him for having done so, I think. Rafinha loves him as well. I think Rafinha would be nominating him as the, the hero this week. Is We know it was, was it against Scum when he came on and suddenly everything in Rafinha's world seemed so much brighter. <laughs> and I think that's another kind of risk that um, old Bill will need to overcome if he uh, ever regains fitness. That Rafinha does seem to like having a Chacleton with him. Does Rafinha think he's actually a child and therefore is being nice to him? Because he is very youthful, isn't he, young Jamie? Well, I think that may be part of it, is he can probably order Jamie about a bit more easily than he can with Luke. Luke's a man with um, strong opinions. And you have seen Ailing and Rafinha kind of having arguments with each other on the pitch about um, who should be doing what. Whereas I can't really picture Jamie Shackleton fronting up to Rafinha 
and uh, having it out with him saying, no, you, that ball was perfect. Why didn't you get on the end of that? I think it's much more like, yes, Mr. Fenia. Anything for you, Mr. Fenia. Lorente's nominations, sorry, Llorente, to give the uh, proper pronunciation. Loads of people nominating him. Lorne picks out um, one particular detail. He's a calming influence at the back and seems to cruise through the game and allows the rest of the defence just to relax a little bit more. Which is weird because he's kind of frantic and mad at points. Yeah, so I don't but, know. But he, is, he does overall make us better. It is strange. I think he is probably our best defender. It's confidence. I would dispute, not dispute, you're right, there is a weird thing about Lonnie describing him as calming influence and the cruising and the relaxing thing because those aren't the adjectives I would associate with this absolute maniac. But it's confidence everything he does is and even down to the the goal if you compare the the way he finished that with some of the finishing from the other players in the rest of the game where it's all kind of you know oh can I place it exactly here can I have this shot can I square it here no he just sees a loose ball and bangs it in and if it's at our end of the pitch if there's a loose ball he'll just bang it away and if there's um if there's a Watford player, he'll pass it straight to them. But he does <laughs> he does everything with real conviction, and that's why sometimes the things he does are quite mad. But then the net benefit is not only his defending, there's the um, the passing into midfield as well is just done with uh, without any doubt or hesitation, and I think that really helps. Those hard balls he hits into midfield are great. Yeah, uh, you know, I noticed Cresswell trying them a bit when he was playing as well. So I think he it's something they obviously work on in training, and I guess. They do hit them very seen, hard at each other. They don't really they? do. Far too hard. Like I, I would not be controlling that. I have to say, It'd be bouncing miles off, and I would be blaming them for it. But um, Adsham, not not to go over the top, describes him as our the best centre back since Rio Ferdinand, which is pretty good, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, much, I, I, as much as we've uh, we have to try and I now erase his his legacy, greatness yeah. for us. But yeah, he was he was decent, wasn't he? I do agree with what Moscow said. Actually, yeah, it's it's right. It's about that assuredness, about knowing exactly what he's going to do, even if that's an utter madness. Yeah, completely. Like like when Furpo dropped him that ball and I think Furpo there didn't have the courage of his convictions he wasn't quite sure what to do and he found himself with the ball out there in the left back position when he was getting pressed so I'll just give it to you and then you can hopefully solve this problem and he didn't and he, and he didn't no he didn't but he knew what he wanted to do and yeah. that was the important thing yeah. even if it put us in mortal danger and that's where you know we're not contradicting Lorne it's, it's kind of having somebody that confident around does make it easier for the players to go Diego will know what to do with this. There are a couple of nominations for Liam Cooper as well, which is good because he's in the hero bit. So mm-hmm. these people praising him, but they're praising him in the way that Liam Cooper is praised, where Joe says, as much as I worry about him doing Cooper, <laughs> he's been very good the last couple of days. Yeah. Heather says, Cooper, I've not of late, I've not rated him, but he's having a good few games. <laughs> but I do feel a bit sorry for him because that's the thing with Cooper. It's always like, he was good today, wasn't he, for Liam Cooper? He, I thought he didn't do anything, he didn't do anything Liam Cooperish, and that's good. Yeah, we had a nomination for Dallas from, uh, from Philip. Bamford, uh, a nomination despite not playing. I feel a little bit, a little bit out there in, in terms of uh, chances of winning this award. Well, there isn't a name on this, but it's uh, pretending to be injured to force Bielsa to abandon Rodrigo in midfield. <laughs> and the, that is another. When I was saying before about kind of the the evolution of the team and the way things are changing, does Bamford get straight back in? What do we do? Does he? Does Rodrigo get dropped? Even though he's been playing so well, when, I've enjoyed when seeing him up front. I really have. This is it. And but then the other side of it is when those uh, there was the low cross from Hamez from one side and the low cross from Roberts from the other side that didn't have a striker running across the front of the goalkeeper to slot it in. That you, maybe Bambino would have done that, whereas Rodrigo was 
hanging back a bit. So it's kind of, mm, it's well, interesting. Where's the happy medium? Yeah, but it's good in a way because this was the point of signing Rodrigo, wasn't it? To put pressure on Bamford. Bamford thrived under the pressure last season and turned himself into one of the top strikers in the Premier League and in England international. Um, but it, it's it's a sign of a healthy club if that player then can't get in because we've got Spanish international number nine is playing really well in his position. Football cliches would tell you a nice problem to have. Deal with it, Bambo. Supplier of one of those crosses, young Danny Hames, gets picked out by Michael Hunter and uh, and Andy. Uh, just picking out his running, pressing, played well. He looked shot, didn't he, by the, by the end of the game, like a lot of them did, to be fair. You can see where he fits, can't you? Yeah, I think yeah. that's the thing, where he's signing Rodrigo, that was has been the question with him. It's like, well, what what have we bought him for if he's not going to get in instead of Bamford and he's not brilliant here behind the striker? He's it, Dan James just fits with what Bielsa wants. He just will endlessly chase after people and be thrown to the ground and have nothing given. But still, eventually that will turn. Bielsa, as the architect of all this, got some nominations as well. Gaz for turning Shackleton into an incredible right back and Connor Media sort of uh, heading off the well, the less than ideal start to the season and the growing frustration, just uh, turning it around in the uh, in the must win. We did it. And he says, we'll really miss him when he's gone, but let's not think about that. <laughs> That's bad. Uh, Leeds fans who travel to Castellon, nice work to go see Pablo. We, we, we will do it at some point, I dare say. Yeah, someone did ask this um, in in the wake of this, these pictures coming out of them. I just want to do it at a time when I'm not going to organise a super spreader event. Yeah. Because <laughs> it'd be bad, wouldn't it, if a big plane full of Leeds fans all got COVID and it was our fault. So mm. maybe... There'll be another international break in about a week's time, won't there? Presumably, maybe, maybe look at it then. Presumably you've put this on the sheet because you've got a nomination for being Hero of the Week from Matt from Monk Freister, which sounds like it's made up, so it must be you <laughs> or a family member. Apparently a newly translated coaching manual, Patadas Fuertes, clearly inspired Urente to stick it in the net. Does that not mean fiery potatoes? I was thinking it sounds like chips, but that's what I say. That's my nickname for Urente is Mr. Fiery Potatoes. Patadas Fuertes. I, I imagine it's something about kicking it hard. Okay. It's what I would guess. Um, can somebody translate that? I'm going to search with Google. You can do that from our prep sheet, which is quite interesting. Patatas. Well, it's not patatas, it's patadas. You say patadas. <laughs> I say patatas, etc., etc. It means, let's have a look. Live Googling, this is great. Kicking the ba- This baby's kicking up a storm. It's to, it's to do with kicking, yeah. Well, there you go. There you go. And one final nomination, if we're, we're going on people who are here. Moscow and Tyler Roberts. The perfect partnership. Wearing your uh, Tyler Roberts pyjamas. Is that of uh, everybody? And is it Llorente? Yes and yes. Why then? Tell me why. Philip sums him up quite well. Llorente is 90% a class act, 10% a heart attack. But we wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That's my man. Yeah, fair shout that. Yeah, he's he's had a good week, hasn't he? It's nice to see him come back and recover from that slightly holding your breath moment towards the end of the game. That was a little bit nervous. He was just making things interesting, wasn't he? Well, that's it. Rolling <laughs> around on his back, screaming, holding his ankle. And there we go, then. That wraps up the heroes and villains for this week, then. Diego Llorente, congratulations on a fine week. Do it again next week and for the next, what, several months? We'll, <laughs> we'll all be fine. Yep. We'll all be fine. Right, well, we return uh, after the international break with another weekly show and the preview for Southampton. When we go down there, maybe we could go down, stop at Peppa Pig World on the way down. Do you fancy that? Just go there and come back. <laughs> fine. Right, we'll catch you in a bit. See you soon. The Square Ball Podcast. 